This is a Federal News Network podcast. Cybersecurity is the gift that keeps on giving, and 2023 promises to be as busy as ever. After another landmark year for cyber policy, what should agencies and contractors expect in the coming 12 months? For more, and as we conclude our week of look-aheads, Federal News Network's Justin Doubleday. And Justin, let's start with some of the big developments you think are happening in the federal cyber realm next year, other than the fact that we're going to still be attacked by every exotic phishing scheme known to mankind. Right. Well, the big thing to watch out for here uh, in the coming uh, next couple of months is the national cyber strategy, a new national cyber strategy. Every administration has to uh, put one out, it seems, and, and the Biden administration has been working on one. The White House's Office of the National Cyber Director has been leading that effort. And that's something to watch out for. Obviously, a big policy document will cover a lot of different areas. But I spoke with Mark Montgomery, the senior director of the Center on Cyber and Technology Innovation at the Foundation for Defense of Democracies. He's kind of a cipher on these cyber issues, being of the uh, former Cyberspace Solarium Commission. He said the strategy will probably map out a shift that's already underway when it comes to cyber regulation. I think a a broad effort at uh, harmonizing and fixing our regulatory approach. It's reasonable to say that, you know, we've been working for about 23 years on a largely voluntary approach and that, you know, probably, you know, the way forward is going to require thinking about regulation. Now, this doesn't mean regulation for everything. Part of it's about harmonizing regulation. There's some industries that will tell you, hey, we're being regulated across multiple entities to different standards. We need to harmonize it. All right. So that's a good idea. Harmonized regulation. Industry would like that. Does that mean that federal agencies are going to have to get together, Justin, and make sure that they are in harmony? In fact, they already are. I mean, the uh, Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency has been given the uh, incident reporting authority. So critical infrastructure companies will have to report cyber incidents to them once uh, CISA finalizes a rule. And CISA and DHS has been have been meeting with other regulatory agencies to say, hey, there's some competing authorities here on cyber incidents, maybe for like the FCC with the telecommunications sector. Let's figure out how we can make this uh, work together. Um, a number of agencies are already designated as sector risk management agencies. And another thing that Montgomery told me is uh, the Presidential Policy Directive 21 that kind of governs that whole relationship between sectors and agencies. That might be due for an update this year. Uh, it came out in 2013 under the Obama administration. There's a number of sectors already designated, and there might be some new sectors here. Space systems, uh, cloud service providers are two he mentioned. And what about CISA itself, Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency? Got a big plus up in budget for 2023. Now it's about to get its money. What can we see from them, do you think, this coming year? Yeah, well, as I mentioned earlier, you know, the incident reporting rule is going to be coming together here over the next 12 months. That's one thing to watch out for. Uh, as you said, there's a big budget increase going from $2.6 billion to uh, $2.9 billion for CISA in 2023. Um, that's going to beef up their cybersecurity operations, the services that they provide to agencies and critical infrastructure sectors. And while CISA has gotten a lot of bipartisan support, uh, they may get some more scrutiny here in 2023, especially with the House flipping over to Republicans. 
Um, the, the House Republicans actually just sent a letter to CISA uh, asking for a force structure assessment that's actually overdue by about a year. That's code for saying maybe you have too many paid bodies around. Yeah, essentially, how many people do you really need to meet all your missions going forward? It's something that CISA hasn't done since it's really rapid growth into a full-fledged agency. So that's something else to consider. And what about Congress? More cybersecurity legislation, possibly? Yeah, I think the big thing, uh, folks have told me the big thing to watch out uh, for here this year is the Federal Information Security Modernization Act update. Uh, FISMA has uh, came into place in 2014 that dictates how agencies have to kind of secure their networks and measure their progress towards securing networks. And uh, last year, Congress tried to update the law. It didn't quite make it over the finish line, but that's something that lawmakers are really trying to work out, especially with these new offices, the White House Office of the National Cyber Director, CISA's growing role. They want to really work out what are these roles and responsibilities going forward. Yeah, so a lot going on. We're speaking with Federal News Network's Justin Doubleday, and that comes down to the cyber workforce. This is an issue year after year. Any movement on the so-called gap in the federal workforce? Well, again, the National Cyber Director's Office is working on yet another strategy uh, for cyber workforce training and education. That's expected to come out after this big national strategy. But for federal agencies, it'll be really uh, relevant uh, as they're kind of focusing on efforts at recruiting and developing and retaining the cyber workforce. Obviously, there are struggles there. There's a patchwork of authorities where, you know, the Defense Department has a cyber accepted service. DHS has cyber talent management system. Uh, Other agencies are saying, hey, what about us? Um, My colleague, Jory Heckman, has reported on a new special salary rate for IT hires. That's something else to watch out for here in 2023. Yeah, so we might get way in from the Office of Personnel Management, which is trying to get all these flexibilities and salary flexibilities out there for agencies to use if they'll use them. Right. And then zero trust is still a work in progress, much as we've been talking and reporting about it over the last couple of years. And then software and software supply chain security What's ahead for those? Yeah, I think what you hear from a lot of federal uh, cyber IT leaders is it's all about implementation now. That's what Federal Chief Information Security Officer Chris Darusha uh, told uh, told us recently uh, about just cyber policy in general here in 2023. This year, we're just going to be focused on implementation. You know, we have a lot of policy out now, and it's really about the oversight governance, getting these performance metrics right, ensuring that they're giving us key insights not just to how we're doing, but when we're not doing well, why? I call those key insight metrics. And I think they're really important. I learned that after solar winds. I mean, you need the things to continue to benchmark you year over year on like, are you making progress in certain areas? That's important. But our space is so new still, and we're learning so much as we go. You've got to also have metrics that show you what's behind the opportunity space that you've got in that metric. And where do you need to have new policy interventions? All right. And it's worth noting that there haven't been any huge federal celebrated breaches, actual cybersecurity incidents in 2022 that I'm aware of. And so let's keep our fingers crossed 2023 with all of this talk about the workforce and the policies and the legislation that – you know, the defenses don't fall down and something gets through and blows up something. Yeah, I think uh, what you're seeing is is just a lot of churn in policy. And, and hopefully behind all that churn, there's some progress and, and, and uh, a rising tide for all ships. Yeah, it's kind of like the idea that even as they churn out the NDAA every year for the Defense Department, a year of cogitating and adding thousands and thousands of provisions, 
you still have people with guns out on the perimeter on picket, you know, making sure that the reality is as good as the policy making going on. Yeah. And I mean, so much of what we cover is this new policy where, you know, you really won't see what actually happened, uh, especially in the cybersecurity realm for for many months until after it happens or, or doesn't happen with regards to a cyber attack. Federal News Network's Justin Doubleday. Good to have you on. All right. Thanks, Tom. And we know you'll be on top of this throughout the year. Check out all of his coverage at federalnewsnetwork.com. Leadership today, especially within the federal workforce, is being tested more than ever before. Sean Ferguson, Senior Vice President of Government Relations and Chief of Staff to the Office of the Chairman at the Special Olympics, joins host Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA to discuss the importance of leadership, inclusion, and community building. To learn more about how you can get involved with the Special Olympics in your community, visit specialolympics.org slash get dash involved. Hello, and welcome to the Lessons in Leadership podcast. What are some of the biggest lessons that you've learned working with that community? Oh, uh, yeah, almost... uh... Shane, it's almost immeasurable. The things I've learned since I've been with Special Olympics. I um, one of the things that drew me to Special Olympics uh, when I made the move over from from the NFL uh, was that my mother, my grandmother, my aunt all took care of of people with intellectual disabilities and 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 physical disabilities as well. So all of my life, I was uh, interacting and around um, usually usually young people, but also adults with disabilities. And so I, I knew that I knew that work a bit, you know, they, they basically were in direct care. And, and I will say, and on, I obviously will say about my, my family, my mother, my aunt, my grandmother, they're saints. Uh, but, uh, the, the men and women that do take care of people with uh, profound disabilities are, are really, um, you know, we, we can't do enough to salute them. Um, they're, they're really heroes. And, um, so I was, I was drawn when I, I, and I just saw that, you know, Special Olympics was looking for someone and I thought, well, you know, take a look at it and see, see, you know, throw, uh, send in my information and lo and behold, I, I, I get hired and, um, I learn uh, every day, almost something from, especially from our athletes. Uh, we're blessed to have a number of athletes that work here in our office in Washington, DC. And, you know, uh, Terrell, who, who works in, in our mailroom, who comes by with packages and deliveries. Uh, if you're having a day that's, you know, getting away from you and you, you <laughs> coffee hasn't kicked in, but Terrell comes by always happy, always enthused, uh, has a, has a good story. Like it can just turn a day around for you. And, and, and you think of, I, I, you know, often when he'll walk away, I'll be like, you know, whatever was bothering me or whatever is, you know, stressing me out. And come on, you know, like look at look at Terrell. Like he, he he faces everything with optimism, and 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 I've seen that also in our going to competitions in throughout the United States and globally. You see people who have had everything stacked against them. You know, their parents when they were born were often told this is a tragedy, and you should you should you know send your this child away. Don't don't you know and, and kind of forget about them. Get, turn them over to the state or or wherever. And and you know that you know just kind of watch, watch your hands of it. Um, and 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 in in these cases, the parents didn't do that, thankfully. Um, and but they've still faced enormous challenges. You know, and but you see them out competing on the basketball courts or the football fields or swimming, and uh, and and. 
you know, besting their times from, from their last competition. And they're so committed and just keep fighting through all the obstacles that they've had in front of them that are not just on the sports field, but also in growing up and finding education and finding groups to be part of and trying to find jobs. And, and, and I've seen so much perseverance and grit uh, from a- the athletes of Special Olympics that uh, I, I, Tim Triver, my boss, the chairman, uh, says all the time, and I couldn't agree with him more, uh, we get more than we give. Uh, working with Special Olympics, it, you know, we, and thank you for your very kind words about the work I do and we do, but but we're the lucky ones. We, those of us that work here are the lucky ones because I I said to someone the other day, you know, the things that I've been able to see and experience with athletes, you just don't get to do that anywhere. That that you know, it's a, and it's so unique and it's so uh, joyful and and uh, I mean, we work hard and you know, we we're up against you know the things that nonprofits are up against and you know the you know the issues of the day. But uh, man, you see, it, it, and 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 the inclusion and the at Special Olympics, no one's excluded. You know, no, right. no one's excluded. Everyone yeah. is equal at Special Olympics. It, and, you know, in a country that's quite divided on so many lines, politically and uh, socially, uh, economically, race and uh, sexual orientation and whatnot. But you go to Special Olympics and everyone's involved. Everyone's welcome. Everyone's equal. And I've learned that it's a model for our country and for our world. Uh, I, I just think that that if if people were involved in Special Olympics in experience the power of Special Olympics for themselves, I, I, I can't imagine that one help our country and help our world um, to experience that true inclusion and acceptance of difference. How, how do we get, how can listeners get involved in Special Olympics? Ways to get involved? Uh, tons of ways. So uh, volunteers, obviously, coaches, officials, uh, and, and the thing that, that, that uh, Tim Shriver has done uh, and really pushed in the years that he's been chairman is the unified sports model that, that I'd mentioned earlier, um, where people and, and it doesn't have to be. Uh, it's not just school age. It's it's, uh, you know, we say nine to ninety nine or uh, year old uh, folks uh, that play on teams, uh, bowl together, golf together, play soccer, basketball together. Uh, people with and without intellectual disabilities competing on teams together. Um, and that is, I, I think, when you when you go back to the founding uh, of our organization, what Mrs. Tri- Mrs. Shriver was trying to do uh, was to, to uh, create inclusion opportunities for people with intellectual disabilities. And you see it at these unified sports events where people with and without are playing together. We still have traditional uh, teams where it's all people with intellectual disabilities competing with other uh, teams, all intellectual disabilities. But this model of inclusive sports and inclusive leadership programs and whatnot, I think is truly revolutionizing and changing the way people see uh, others with intellectual disabilities. That's just like, I mean, that's what we that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to bring people together and bridge difference and, and, and celebrate differences and that our athletes, man, are some of the grittiest, 
people that you will meet and and uh and there's a lot to learn from our athletes and playing sports with them and interacting is is how you'll learn it check us out uh you know uh, specialolympics.org on on our website uh that will link you to your local program you can follow through the the clicks of how to get involved and where what's closest to you you'll enjoy it i can promise you that well, thank you very much, Sean. And, and to everybody listening, I'm Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA, and we'll uh, talk to you next time on the Lessons in Leadership podcast. Why do dry January when you could do sweaty January? Right now, get up to $500 off Peloton Tread Packages. Take your training to the next level with accessories like a heart rate band, non-slip grip dumbbells, yoga mat, and more. Join now and you'll see why 92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. All access membership separate. Offer ends January 8th, 2023. Excludes Tread Basics Package. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com.